recording stuff to do so I, I'm, I'm trying to be responsible so i'm having a little wine because i also feel like it's appropriate for this discussion that we're going to have and then some water because hydration is key hydration is key i've already had two 32 ounces a foot of water so i can't say that i've had that much uh i've had one can of seltzer this is my second i actually think i drink too much water i think you might yeah, I think I drink too much, so that's. A I could not possibly imbibe that much fluid because a lot of the time I don't have the access to a a toilet facility. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I have to drink my water when I have access to pee it out later. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. No one wants the nurse to pee on herself in the workplace. That's not cool. Not at all. It hasn't happened. Yet. Thank goodness. Mm-hmm. Thank goodness. So. All right. Anyway. Well, final stretch in this mega recording session. <laughs> yeah. You guys watching don't understand, but this is exhausting. It is, folks. It is. Like, understand, we truly do this for the love of it. This is not our job. <laughs> Which is why we have to do these mega recording sessions where we record three or four episodes in a day because we both have jobs and we don't have the same work schedule. So no, as tiring as this is, my... this works for us so we can get you these weekly episodes. Boom. Yeah. I'm already looking forward to our summer vacation. <laughs> what month do we take off again? Uh, we're going to take off June. No. Ooh. Oh. June. We come back in August on the anniversary of our podcast launch date. Oh, okay. I just do what you tell me. Oh, I'm sorry. No, we take off in July. So July will be the, the month we take off and then we come back in, in August. I, I think it's, break? it's, it's fair. I, that still, the statement still stands. Uh, I do whatever you tell me. So, um, anyway, uh, what, what, what's, let's talk about what we're reading or what we finished. Well, I haven't finished this and so far it feels like I'm never going to, I did not get to spend my morning time that I usually spend reading this this morning because I, you know, we basically started, I wake up late, I go to bed late. Mm-hmm. I basically, we basically started recording shortly after I was caffeinated. Uh, but I am still making my way through Gravity's Rainbow, which I don't know. Have I talked about this specifically on the channel yet? I don't know. But I'm, <laughs> don't still, making my way, I'm still making my way through this. I don't care if this is, continues to be annoying and repetitive. Um, I am, whatever this is through, I am in the middle. So this, this, this is part four Yeah. here. I'm coming up on part four. Uh, let me show you how long part three was, just visually. Part three is so fucking long. It is unnecessarily long. It's the length of a regular book. Okay. So anyway, uh, yes. I'm still reading Thomas Pynchon's Gravity's Rainbow. I don't know what to tell you about this postmodern thing. Yeah. It, it, it is offensive in so many ways. Um, it is also a pretty biting commentary on war and uh, the human input into war and how like yeah. nobody's hands are really clean. Um, it's filled with a lot of ween and it's, I mean, it's the kind, so I spend about like an hour every morning yeah. reading some of this so that I can get through this. Right. <laughs> Cause I'm committed to reading this. One, for a parody bit for the channel, and two, because so many people have never read it, and yeah. so many lit bros are like, like, talk about this as like, this is life-changing, that if I'm going to make, tease them, I need to have read the material. I do not feel <laughs> like it's fair to not have read the material. So, I, it, it is a, it is a book, and <laughs> the, every moment I think, like, he can't possibly do something more offensive in some mm-hmm. way he does so i i'm numb a lot of the time that i'm reading this because okay. you just can't up the ante anymore you know like you can't it starts with like 
banana dick jokes. And now we've gotten to like incredibly taboo things. And if I sure if I say them, someone will come, some big baddie of the internet will come and like shut us down. But it gets like really like high level taboo sort of sexual things. Yeah. And it's just a lot. But then there's also like absurd moments too. Like, I mean, absurd, like in a hot air balloon throwing custard pies at the Nazis. Like it is. Yeah. So it's, it's, I've been having a lot of weird mornings is, is what I'm trying to tell you. And that when this is over, I am going to, going to be happy. The problem is now there's some discussion of reading infinite jest and I don't, I don't know if I have it in me. Well, just wait because you can read it with me and Jess whenever we decide to read it. I I need it first. Okay, because I, yeah. She, this is last year, she mentioned she wanted to read it. I was like, I have it. You want to read it together? I also have The Pale King by him. I don't have any David Foster Wallace. For some reason, I thought he was Brett Easton Ellis. And <laughs> I thought they were the same person. And... That's funny. I can't get I can't get all these guys straight in my head. I can't. Um, well, so I would yeah, tell you what you're making me not want to read that book. I don't think you'd like it. You are making me want to take it off my shelf right now and put it in my bag to go back to McKay to trade in for store credit. I mean, I prefer your edition, um, but I, 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 yeah. So there are moments where it's kind of unfair to pinch in because there are moments. Where it's where when it's being serious mm-hmm. and it's reflecting on World War II and what's going on and it's more deeply rooted in historical fact. Yeah, that it is really well done. But okay. then he'll throw in like a poop joke or like a limerick after limerick after limerick about dicks. Yeah, and like or like just like some really crazy just sex scene like it's so disorienting the entire time you're reading this because whenever you start to feel like oh this is yeah this is this is good like this is good then it's like bam penis and like you're like Mm. it's just it's so it's whiplash this book is whiplash while you're reading it like what are you trying to tell us i i'm telling you that it's it's an experience I'm not saying that I regret reading it because I now understand what somebody is referring to. I think right. this gets referenced quite a bit here and there. I mean, it's in freaking Knives Out. Um, but uh, I don't know if everybody needs to read it. Um, like, I think like one in every friend group should. And then everybody else <laughs> And to just share the knowledge. <laughs> just share the knowledge. <laughs> uh, I'm glad that I'm reading this with another person so we can go back and forth and talk about the ridiculousness of things. Um, I'm still curious to see how Mason Dixon is by him because I know a lot of people like that. I always um, see that book and I always want to pick it up because I'm so curious about it, but I've not done that yet. But, I mean, I I don't know. I don't know. He grew up on Long Island, like, and I want to know if, like, some, like, wouldn't, I, I just keep thinking, like, wouldn't it be funny if he was, like, old family friends of my mom or something? Oh, and, like, that would be hilarious. Like, <laughs> but, no, um, he's, like, a notorious recluse. I think there's, like, three pictures of him. Because um, he's too so. busy thinking about pain. There's so much dick in this, Naomi. <laughs> Okay, so to all of our, like, romance listeners who might be out there, to anybody who reads romance, I mean, like, raunchy romance. I mean, like, you'd be embarrassed if your mom found your Kindle unlimited romance, Mm -hmm. okay? That is nothing to the debauchery that this man comes up with. Now, that is better. It reads nicer. It is an actual enjoyable sex scene. Right. But in terms of just straight up filth, if you want filth, filth. Like, this book is filthy. Like, filthy. Wow. Filthy. I'm hoping that by the time you finish reading this, it becomes clear to you why these lip bros think this is such an important piece of literature. 
the ending is supposed to be spectacular. And that's what I'm holding out on is, is the way this gets wrapped up is supposed to be like amazing. Okay. And there are these moments where it's really good. Like he is making really poignant commentary. Yeah. This is not supposed to be it. We've been talking about this for 15 minutes. This is, <laughs> no, it's like really poignant commentary on like the war machine mm-hmm. and how, especially World War II, how like America is had their hands dirty on both sides for this and and there's a t- there's a I, will, I probably won't be able to find it but there's there's a, uh, a a section here oh it demanded this we didn't so perhaps you used a rifle a radio a typewriter some typewriters in whitehall and in the pentagon killed more civilians than our little a4 rocket mm. could have ever hoped to you either you are either alone absolutely alone with your own dead or you take part in the larger expertise and you share in the deaths of others. Are we not all one? Which is your choice? So like, there's these moments that are really well done. Yeah. And then, but it's just this, this whiplash back and forth between that and like the absolutely absurd and filthy is just, it's too much. The sheer amount of liber- limericks, Naomi. I've never <laughs> seen so many limericks in my, in my life. And apparently this is a thing he does. So interesting i only own i only own one other book by him and that's bleeding edge and that's been on my shelves for a long time maybe i'll read that one first i don't know what it's about i don't know what it's about uh but maybe i'll read that one first as you're going through gravity's rainbow so the thing is is like i can't say i hate it yeah i don't hate it that this is just it's so much work (laughs) oh yeah it's not an easy read yeah but what that payoff it? better be. I said. I said the payoff better be worth it. And if we get to the end of this and it's a dream, I am. I am like punting this book into the lake. Ooh. Like I am not. What if it is? No. Let's not even go there. Let's Could not you? even go there. I, I. There will be a very angry moment in this reading. <laughs> <laughs> All right, folks. Um, Make sure you subscribe to Nerd and Nurse Reads YouTube channel because yeah, you're gonna you're gonna wanna hear how this ends. <laughs> I know I'm gonna want to. You're gonna wanna see that video where she talks about it in relation to these lip bros. Oh, this is gonna be interesting. All right. Um I have just started uh women writing wanting women writing about desire, edited by Margot Khan and Kelly McMasters. Um, this is a, uh, a, a collection of essays. This is coming out from Catapult. Thank you, Catapult, for this advanced copy on February 14th. I'm very excited about this. Um, I like how, and the introduction really kind of reels you in to want to read more. Um, but a part of the introduction says, and thinking about desire while co-editing co-editing this anthology, we've come to understand that desire lives in both the body and the brain. Unattainability in a person, a paycheck, an object, an orgasm stokes the flame while getting what we want extinguishes it, though not its memory. When I desire you, a part of me is gone, the critic and poet Ann Carson once wrote. The vulnerability involved in wanting something often to the exclusion of everything else is inherently risky because the allure hinges on not knowing if you will attain the quarry. I'm excited to dig into these essays. So again, that is Wanting, Women Writing About Desire, edited by Mar- Margot Kahn and Kelly McMasters, coming out from Catapult on February 14th. I saw that and I was thinking about it, but- Now I'm surprised you didn't get that. It's all over. Yeah, I'll let you know. I'm not on Catapult's list. All right, since we're talking about disgusting and poop, you want to talk about Eileen? Let's do it. <laughs> I gotta tell you, so so the problem with reading this is that it seems to be permeating, this being Gravity's Rainbow for listeners, um, is that it seems to be permeating all areas of my life and I've become extra sensitive to certain things. Mm. And one of those things is poop. And the amount that Eileen is concerned with her own bowel movements yeah. Okay. I was, I was like, do I need this in my life? I have enough of this in my life. But first and foremost, I want to hear your thoughts on how you liked Eileen. This is your first Moshvik, right? You've never Second. read any other Moshvik. Oh, what was your first one? Rest and relaxation. 
Oh, I had you read that. I forgot. Yes, yes um, you did, ma'am. <laughs> okay, so this is your second mosh fig. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts? I like this one more than my year of rest, rest and relaxation. They are quite different. Quite different. Oh, this um, is going to be a good discussion. Okay. Yeah, they're quite different. And um, I... I... I kind of almost loved it. <laughs> like, I'm not over the moon about it, but I'm well past I liked it. I kind of love it. Eileen is interesting. Okay. How the story is told is interesting. I I dig it. <laughs> A lot. <laughs> okay. So I, this is my fourth. Yeah. Fifth. My fifth mosh bag, because I don't own one. Uh, this is my least favorite. Interesting. And if I had read this first, I don't know if I would have been so eager to have continued on with her. Interesting. Writing. So, so I said, I think this is going to be interesting. Yeah. Because um, this was just lacking something. There is... It's almost like Eileen is too straightforward for me. Mm -hmm. um, there's too much hinting about murder for me uh -huh. without giving anything until way too far at the end. Mm -hmm. um, there isn't enough like commitment to Eileen's derangeness. <laughs> to... Okay, because like uh, my year of rest and relaxation – we commit to that insanity. Like that is commitment well, to the insanity sure. that you are going down, right? Yeah. Um, death in her hands. Commitment. Like you just mm -hmm. spiral slowly down into is it dementia? Is it insanity? Is it both? Is it what yeah. is it? Uh McGlue is really like sort of similar in that Latvona, you amp even Latvona, which is very different, you, you amp up as you're going along. And like the book is kind of like this weird religious fever dream. And this just felt in comparison to all of those, mm -hmm. a little lacking. I can understand that. Yeah. I'm not saying it's bad. Yeah. It's not like I'm like, this is the worst book. But like in this in journey comparison that I've been of the, on. Yeah. I've been on this journey of reading all these mosh bags. And I like the last one I have to read, I think, outside of this one little novella I have to try to find is uh Homesick for Another World. Which oh, yes. Is all of her short stories, mm -hmm. which I should get another influx of Pango Bucks, and I should be able to order a copy tonight if nobody mm. bought the copy. Because um, there's one copy on there that's under $10, so I might be able to buy it. Uh, there you have it. But I just, I don't know. It, I, I guess I just, I'm not understanding. Why everybody was like, oh, my God, I can't wait to hear what you think about Eileen. Because I, I just yeah. didn't think very much about it at all. I thought it was pretty, like, surface level unhinged woman. Maybe I've just uh, read too many unhinged women books. I mean, I, too, thought it was going to be more, which is why I was so excited for you to read it. I thought it was going to be unimaginably horrific. That's what I thought based off of the emotions and reactions that people have been having towards this book for a lot of years. So I just didn't it think didn't it turn was turn out I, that way. Obviously I still liked it, but it's not what I thought I didn't it was think it be. was horrific though. This is what I'm saying. It wasn't at all what I thought it was going to be. <laughs> I really thought I was entering into the world of this like super hardcore murderous woman. That's what I thought this was going to be. She's barely a murderess. Like she's like, I just, right. she is a woman who is traumatized from birth by mm -hmm. her parents and has an eating disorder yeah. and like a person, like a whole body dysmorphia issue. Mm -hmm. And she kills like one person Yeah, it's it's not what I thought. Um, but for what it was, I liked it. It's just not... I mean, for the amount of time she was, like, talking about killing her dad, she could have at least, like, thrown something at him. Like, she didn't do anything to him. No, she didn't. She didn't. She didn't do anything. <laughs> 
Yeah, I, I, I guess about, I don't know, maybe like halfway through, I was like, oh, so this is, this is not what I thought it was going to be. You know, that's what I get for assuming yeah. things that I don't know. <laughs> um, I said, okay, so this is something different. Okay, I get it now, but it's fine. Uh, so let me just remove what I thought it was going to be and just continue mm-hmm. on down this path and see where we end up. <laughs> I'm not into Murderland in this book. It's fine. It's not what I thought. It's fine. <laughs> and honestly, like what I'm really glad it wasn't was I was worried that it was going to be like, what's that stupid Stephen King book with about the car? Christine. Oh, Christine. Because it's like this stupid cover just kept making me think of Christine. And I was like, if there is a sentient car in this book. Yeah. I'm going to lose my mind. Thank God there isn't. But yeah. I mean, I don't know. There was there was one passage I really did flag because uh, let me see if I can find it. Because um, I really thought it was very interesting because I, I like the fact that like her dad is this drunk, messed up old cop who's fighting his own ghosts basically and but he's also this incredibly religious pious these are all in air quotes catholic guy right he's got to go to church every sunday he's constantly like alien you look like a whore like you know yeah. <laughs> like, um and you can see that religiosity sort of how it took made alien this like really prude like uptight person um until i guess she wasn't but i really liked this part with her mother because you don't get a ton of stuff with her mom and i kind of wish we had more mom but uh my mom rolled her eyes at my father's superstitions how he'd cross himself before eating look up at the ceiling whenever he was hopeful or mad god is for dummies she told us people are scared of dying that is all listen to me girls i remember when she said this pulling me us aside one day after our aunt ruth had come over and scolded us for being lazy for being spoiled brats or something like that She and our mother didn't get along. God is a made up story. Our mother told us like Santa Claus. There's nobody watching you when you're alone. You decide for yourself what's right and wrong. There are no prizes for good little girls. If you want something, fight for it. Don't be a fool. I don't think she was ever so caring as when she delivered this terrifying pronouncement to hell with God and to hell with your father. And that is my favorite part of this whole book. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, the dad was obviously also just dealing with a lot of grief too. That was obvious. And so mm-hmm. was she. Um, and you're right. Like, I don't, uh, does a Tessa not like fat people? So I asked this question and I guess she has a, she had an eating disorder. So I guess that kind of makes some sense where that might come out in the writing, especially when she's writing uh, not likable characters that like a, a factor of being unlikable is your fatness or or your dislike of fatness too yeah uh because uh um what's her face whose name is escaping me right now and death in her hands is really fat phobic and like mean um and yeah she's not very nice about it either so i mentioned that twice and i think i remember it in my year of rest and relaxation Mm -hmm. but i'm so caught up in all of the Oh yeah, the sis, the the friend is like the one who's always like on a diet or something, right? Yeah, yeah. And um, so it is a theme that shows up a lot. I think that there might be something to do with that history. I, I'm not Otessa Mashvay, so I can't say. Yeah, <laughs> it would make sense that that would color some of her writing in some way. But she yeah. does seem to get in, go in on fatness pretty yeah, hard. Yeah, she does. I thought some of the parts were funny. I like the part where. She's talking about offensive smells. And she's like, nowadays I often have to leave a room or walk away when a person near to me smells bad. I don't mean the smell <laughs> of sweat and dirt, but a kind of artificial caustic smell, usually from people who disguise themselves in creams or perfumes. These highly sensitive people are not to be trusted. They are predators. They're like the dogs who roll around in one another's feces. It's very disturbing. I just, that kind <laughs> of dry little wry humor I, I enjoy throughout the book. But I, some parts of me felt like the damn therapist at the hospital was more unhinged than Eileen herself. She wasn't a therapist, though. She or was whatever she was, she was more yeah, unhinged the than Eileen. The therapist was the guy that, like, I thought we would get more from, but he just kind of exists, and we just got the teacher. No, but the teacher is absolutely insane. Yeah, like, she went there. She's the one that I took mean- some action. <laughs> 
I mean, this book should have been Rebecca, but that's right. a different book. Um, but I don't, I don't know. Like, I don't see it. I just don't see it. Like, now in like the the pantheon of of uh, Moshfeg books, like mm-hmm. I can see how this would be like the beginning. I can see pieces of of this in some of the other books she's written, mm-hmm. but. No, I think I think th- I don't think that I would have read on. I mean, maybe eventually, but I yeah. wouldn't. I wouldn't have been like when after I read my year of rest and relaxation. I was like, I need to read more of this. You know, like I voraciously wanted to consume her catalog. I don't think I would have had that feeling if I had read this first. It's funny you say that because that's the feeling that I had about reading my. I'm not. I'm not enthused about Atesha Moshfeg. She's okay to I me. I know. Um, <laughs> like I have no desire to go down her. Uh, p- path of, of of books and um yeah i think her brand of unhinged is something that i find very relatable mm-hmm. um especially my year of rest and relaxation yeah and that comes from my own life experiences yeah and i don't expect you and i to always agree on anything or me and anybody else but um yeah, I, f- I feel like the, if you like her, like if you really like her, if she's like your brand of person, you really like her and yeah. you want to see how she deals with these things. Mm-hmm. And one of the reasons why I want to reread McGlue, McGlue. That was her debut, is, right? No, this is her debut, isn't it? I thought McGlue was her debut. Okay. Um, but why I like McGlue is because I feel like it's a wholly different. Well, I need to reread it because it is. Um, I didn't have a physical text to refer back to. I was just listening to it and doing some other things. Mm-hmm. And I I really liked McGlue because it felt different than all the other books. And not in the way Lapvona is different. Lapvona feels like she's really leaving behind pieces of what she wrote before. These like very deranged women and all of that. And making kind of like another turn in her career. McGlue is 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 like the historical fiction male version of I think her other works that oh, are just these unhinged women and I'm really interested in rereading that again so I could get like a more full experience mm-hmm. so I'm looking for I'm looking for a used copy of McGlue um debut but but it's what's what's the debut McGlue McGlue is anyway mm-hmm. well I think McGlue was better than this then yeah there you go. I I enjoyed it. I'm glad I read it. I think the ending is a little wild. It's not as wild as everyone seemed to make it out to be. Um, I also don't find that her endings in general are as salacious as some of the rest of the book. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like my year of resting the relaxation almost doesn't fit yeah. with the rest of the book, but I like it because it's, Something that as a New Yorker who is of the age of a lot of these people. Yeah. In the book, it hits really home to a lot of things. That loss of 9-11 really hits home. Right. Um, And it captures something that some of us really experienced quite personally and deeply. It's going to be like pandemic literature in like eight years, I think, mm-hmm. when there's going to be people looking back that grew up, you know. Yeah. Yeah. In this. So I, I, I don't know. I feel like you and I, I think we probably expected a much more in-depth discussion of Eileen. Yeah. But, but there's really not much here. And here, here's, really the, here's the weird thing about this book. I will say the weird thing about this book is the, the, the big thing that you're waiting for really doesn't have a damn thing to do with Eileen. <laughs> Mm-mm. That's the strange thing about this this book. It's not like something happened to Eileen, and then because of based on what happened, she does something in response or reaction to it. She kind of got pulled into something that has nothing to do with her. And then, like when you find out what it is, yeah, it's terrible. But like on the face of it, it's like you eh, didn't even have to be involved. <laughs> And like, was Eileen even that crazy? Like when you put her up against Rebecca, like, is she really that crazy? No, I just think that she was a young woman who was really at a loss without her mother and also had been emotionally abandoned by her father due to his loss Mm -hmm. of his wife. 
And she you know created I mean? an unhealthy attachment to this woman mm-hmm. who herself was absolutely deranged. Absolutely deranged. Absolutely. I would have liked more of a book about Rebecca Scott. Is that that would Scott? have been more interesting. Saint, Rebecca St. John. Rebecca Scott. Who's Rebecca Scott? Did I just I make know. We just made it Michael up. Scott yeah. gave him a wife? Okay. That would have been more interesting. <laughs> who the fuck is Rebecca Scott? Like, for instance, had Eileen not been a part of it, if it would have been about Rebecca and Lee Polk and all that business about what was going on in that family. You know what I mean? Like that could have been a whole story in itself. It would have been a much more, I think I would have been much more into that story. Absolutely. But but saying that is sort of underselling my experience with the book because I still couldn't put it down. I still really wanted to know. I was still very invested in it. I'm with you. It was not like, it was very page turnery. I was mm-hmm. really interested in it. But in the whole grouping of everything, once yeah. I closed the back of the book, it wasn't as good. Yeah. As some of her other things. I think you would really like Death in Her Hands. I think that it's very similar in vibe to uh, Drive Your Plow. Can I, I read it? like that. And I think you'd really like that one. I do need a new copy because the copy that you and I bought has like, I didn't realize this. The back cover has like a slice in it. Like when they were taking it out of the box, they must have sliced the back cover. Yeah. And I didn't notice it when we bought it because I was probably high on buying books all day with you. And I didn't (laughs) notice because I was just so excited that it was on the buy one, get one fifty. Exactly. Oh, yeah. That was the Barnes and Noble book. Yeah. That's right. I got that and Kafka on the Shore. Right. That's right. Mm Mm-hmm. Because I never see those on like the BOGO. Mm Mm-hmm table so yeah yeah i mean like i'm glad i own it i'm glad i read it yeah i i think it has its merits but if the story had been about rebecca mm-hmm. yeah i mean i just feel like eileen was like a really lost person and yeah. it's sad and i'm glad that she had a life where she grew up and she had ostensibly a good life like mm-hmm. that's nice like i'm happy for you absolutely i'm happy that you got out of the town and all the other things exactly like, just, I don't think that that was the point of the book was to have this like happy ending. I think the point of the book was to be sort of darker and psychological and introspective and all of that. And I feel like that kind of hits the mark. Is that, that misses the mark? I mean, like this book is not dark to me. It's not. There's not enough murder. It's not dark to me. <laughs> um, it's not. So I was expecting so much more than what I got. And, and the thing is, is that I went into it with very few expectations in reality, because I didn't know what I was expecting. Yeah. Because I, nobody had told me anything about this book. Right. Everybody just kept going like, I can't wait to hear what you think. And I didn't know if that meant that it was just off the wall, if it was outrageous, if it was bad, if it, I had no idea what it meant. Yeah. So I was waiting for something of note and there was just kind of like, it was just kind of a book. Like it was mm-hmm. enjoyable. Yeah. Past the time. That was it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's all I got. <laughs> that, 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 that's it. You know, this is no mother thing. Mm-mm. You know what I mean? Like this, it's not that. I also wonder if perhaps I've read too many unhinged women, too much like, you know, sad millennial women books. And that I'm at this point where you've really got to be like, you got to like go all night bitch on me for me to be like, no, because Eileen is not unhinged. I know. She's just sad and and, and grieving. She's not unhinged. Becca. She's unhinged. She's an inch. You break into somebody's house, you knock a woman, you tire up. You're, yeah, she's unhinged. Eileen is not unhinged. She's just very sad and, and just in grief. Deep, deep grief. That's it. I mean, it was a little bit like unhinged watching somebody jack off, but that's. That's just... not unhinged. That's just your little sexual little proclivity. That's not unhinged. I mean, you know? It's it's no gravity's rainbow, let me tell you. I'm just saying. I'm just saying, you know. I don't know. I mean, again, I liked it a lot. I liked it a I lot. I liked it. It's just not what I thought it was going to be. And once I realized that, then I just took it for what it was. And I had a good time. Yeah. 
I want McGlue. I need McGlue in my life. I, I, I really need to reread that one. And I want to reread it with – I want to reread the, the text mm-hmm. and not just listen to it. Yeah. Because McGlue was very – It was. it's interesting to see her write a man. And the other time that you see her write a man as, like, main characters is in Lapvona. Mm-hmm. And in between that – I haven't read the short stories, so I can't speak to that. But everything else in between is women. Yeah. So it's, it's interesting seeing this. And also, like, the whole story is very – it felt really uh, unreliable, uh, dreamlike, trippy, because our main character is just absolutely drunk. Like, just drunk. Like, so drunk. Mm. And reality, like, what is it? I don't know. So I would like to revisit it with yeah. the text in front of me to figure out how much was, like, the actual book being trippy and how much was me just listening and ha- what, needing the text along with it. Do you uh, know what I mean? Yes, I do. Mm-hmm. So. Yep. I still really like her. I know you're not like the biggest stan. I still really like her. I think there's nothing wrong I will with her. Read I anything just don't have a deep write. interest. But I will read. I, what did you say? Death in her hands. I, I'll read that. Vesta. That's the name I was trying to remember. Vesta. Yeah. There is a lot of humor in Moshveg. There's like some dark humor in Moshveg that gets sprinkled throughout, which mm-hmm. I do enjoy that. I enjoy that. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. I still think my year of rest and relaxation. Is... That's still number one for you in, yeah. in her list of what you've read so far. So now you're just down mm-hmm. to one that you haven't read. And that's that short story collection. The short story collection. And apparently there's some small thing, like a short story or a novella that's bound up somewhere. Well, she has that... like a lot of Paris Review there's stories something, or something that there's have. something else that's lingering out there that I don't know the name of. Cause she's got um, like, um, she's got, uh, something called bettering myself, something called the weirdos, something called an honest woman. Uh, another piece in the Paris review called disgust, something called my new novel and another piece called slumming in the Paris review, the beach. She's got a lot of stuff in the Paris review. Yeah, so there's a couple like other a things out there, but in terms of like the main text, like the, the canonical text of Moshveg, yeah. I have one left. So interesting. We're working on it. You know, working on it. Look, My next project will be like maybe Lily King. Oh, Writers of Love are so good. And I also have It's so good. I need Euphoria. I have it on audio I have Euphoria. I think from Libro. But I need I Euphoria. I want like so many. I need like all the Lily Kings. That's going to be my next project. So, yeah, I have. So we, th- this is the year for projects, right? Because we have so many books we're reading from our shelves. And I love. But I only own one Lily King. So that's going to be like, it's going to take me a while to find them. Okay. And I only own two, and I've only read one. I've read Writers and Lovers when I first came out. And then at the end of last year, I found Euphoria. And then she just had a book come out, what, either the end of last year or right the end of last year, right? Yeah, and I don't know what else is in her back out there catalog. Yeah. But um, I love when we go on these like author projects where we like just read their entire catalog mm-hmm. of books. I think that's really fun. It is fun. It's mm-hmm. fun to see like what they have, uh, which ones you love, which ones you don't love. All mm-hmm. that stuff is it's just I have a good time with that. Yeah. Um, and it's fun to sort of argue that with people because people will be like, no, but this one's my favorite or like this one's the best. And yeah. I really like those arguments with yeah. your, like fellow readers. It's yeah. a good time. It's a good time. Yeah. So I'd love to know everybody's, if you also really like Moshveg mm-hmm. or you've read a bunch, I'd love to know your favorites. I think that it's kind of fun to see where everybody sits in the whole canon of Moshveg. I feel like... I don't know it's interesting it's interesting it to see which ones you like i know i do um, think that lavona got an unnecessary amount of hate i just oh, think it's different I agree. for other books it is very good it is a very scathing review of religion i think mm-hmm. and i i i think if you were going in to expecting aileen or any of the other like unhinged ladies it that's not what you're gonna get it's it's really cool quite crazy and yeah. debauched and it's wild i really did enjoy it yeah. but it's also the kind of book that like you're kind of like what did i huh and you've got to sit with it and kind of like ruminate over all the things because like yeah. it is really compelling a really compelling read like you will want to keep reading it 
uh, you will keep turning the page, but it is, there's a lot in there to digest. And some of it is a little shocking. Like yeah. the lady who breastfeeds the entire village is a little, you're like, especially when you read her in the story, like that concept is just, I know that wet nurses are a very old timey concept and not that crazy, but the way this lady wet nurses everybody is a little crazy. And you're like, ah, yeah, <laughs> this is weird. I think, and I try but, hard to, like, if I don't really understand the book, I try not to, like, equate that to me hating it. It's just that I didn't understand it. I didn't understand what the author was trying to do, where they were going with it, but that's not necessarily, like... Sometimes I don't it. understand a book, and I hate it. Um, but usually what I'll do is I will look at a whole bunch of reviews mm. and try to get a sense of where do I fall in all these other people yeah. who are talking about it. And does that help me clarify all of my feelings? And do I kind of get a better sense of it? Mm -hmm. And how do I feel about it? Like, I've been doing that with, I almost called it Paradise Lost. To Paradise. To Paradise, not Paradise Lost. Oh, yeah. Um, That one really stumped you. You're like, is this a masterpiece or what is it? like? (laughs) Because the three pieces I liked. If she had continued on with either of the three pieces, I think I would have... If any of those stories continued, I would have loved it. I loved those snapshots of story that I got in each of those three parts. But as a collection, as something that's supposed to be a continuous novel. Yeah. No. And I do think that most people can skip it. I just don't think that it's worth. Yeah. Like A Little Life is phenomenal. I've never read A People in Trees or The People in Trees or whatever it's called. And I will read it eventually. Mm Mm-hmm. Because I do think Hanayana Gahara can write. She's like, a fantastic really well. writer. But I just, it missed the mark for a lot of people, I think, to Paradise. Yeah. I think a lot of people really anticipated that read and it missed the mark. Yeah. I think whatever she was trying to do, she didn't do it. Yeah. I mean, you know me, the I had execution to put it down and then there. I came back to it later and I reread some of it and then continued on it and finished it with um, the. Uh, biggest problem. The biggest problem to me with that book, and I, I love how we got here. I love our meandering conversations. My biggest problem with that book is that the things that connect those stories mm-hmm. are so like whisper thin that it's barely a connection. Right. There is a familial connection between each of the three parts, mm-hmm. but it's just so so just barely tangential you gotta like, really dig for it exists. i didn't want to have to dig and for it i don't so like why i liked and i know that not everybody likes this book but i loved it how high we go in the dark because mm-hmm. that is a collection of interconnected short stories but there are a collection of interconnected short stories that follow a group of people their descendants over time and does get really bonkers and like yeah. kind of sci-fi at the end but you can see how the stories thread. There's a thread. You can see the trail of them. Yeah, and yeah. you can go get to the end and realize how it sort of circles back on the on the beginning. And I really thought it was brilliant. I know not everybody does, but I thought it was brilliant, and I really liked how high we go in the dark. Mm-hmm. And for the people who really liked it, like you, that's part of what you really liked was like this whole spanning of time, right? And it, we go we go far, like far out into distant like future of humanity in this story and i i think it's a really beautifully done collection of interconnected short stories these were a collection of three novellas that did not fit and were not complete novellas in my opinion Mm -hmm. and it was much more difficult to process that and to like it and to have it work it really was i agree Uh, and Mm. and yeah i was like i don't i don't really know where we're going with this um and it just really, it was hard to just stay engaged with that text. It really was. I mm-hmm. felt like I had to try too hard to stay in it. Um, that was not easy for me at certain points. Uh, I liked the first book. I think everyone I liked likes the, the third first book. book. I liked the third book. I did like the third dystopian part. Mm-hmm. The middle part. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. But I think if I was someone of Hawaiian descent, who had that connection to that culture, perhaps that second middle bit would have hit me different. Exactly. That's perhaps. something to mm-hmm. there too. Um, that but it did also teach knowledge. me something because I had no idea. I don't think I've ever thought, and I've never been pushed to think about how states got claimed, mm-hmm. especially more recent states like Hawaii. Right. 
I've never thought about that. Right. And it's never been a thing that I've had to question because in my life, it's just been an accepted fact, Mm -hmm. right? So thinking about it and being pushed to think about this and to now be aware, I am appreciative of now being aware of the history of, of, of Hawaiian people and their culture and how they were colonized by right, us exactly. and basically tricked into ceding their country over Good to us. Good old American and, trickery. <laughs> yeah. So I, and I never mm-hmm. had to think, like, I just, I never thought about like how you become a state, right? Like I just never thought about that and how like it could be very similar to like England going and claiming India, right? right? Like that was very clear to me that like that's a colony, right? Yep. But like, Hawaii wasn't that cut and dry in my little brain growing up, you know, exactly. forming all of these thoughts and understandings of the world. So I appreciate that part. There's, so there's things into paradise. That yeah. I yeah. We're individual things, but as a yeah. whole, as a whole unit, sometimes I look <sighs> at that book on my shelf and I'm like, should I read you again? And then I'm like, nope, not right now. Not right now. But I, I feel like at some point, at some point, my reader brain is just going to be compelled to pick it up again and give it another go. Maybe a few years down the line, but like not now. But that's why I sometimes waffled on this and it's either the greatest masterpiece that I have read in my lifetime or it's a piece of shit. Right. (laughs) So I I guess time will tell. Yeah, for sure. Uh, But until then, um, you know, the people in trees, I do want to read. Uh, I just want to see what that's all about. And um, I do want to reread A Little Life, but I'm not ready. Oh, I don't want to reread that. I know you I, I want to read it because I love them. I, I love really, all those characters. I really like that book. I don't think I love it as much as you. I. It's so interesting, right? Um, I love I mean, those you, characters. A Little Life really tore you up. It did oh not tear me up. You know, a book tore me up was The Hearts Invisible Furies by John Boyne. I think about that book like you Do think about. I have about, that book yet? I don't know, oh. but I think about that book the way you think about a little life. That book really like brought me to my knees emotionally, and the way you think about those characters in a little life, and the way you—that's how I connect with the Hearts of Visible Furies. What's and that name book again? made me cry actual Boyne? tears. Mm-hmm. John Boyne. Boyne. Oh, I do. I do own it. Yeah. Now you know. I thought I finally got it. You know, I buddy read that with um, Lacey. She hated that book. I was just oh, interesting. I was an effing mess with that book. Like, like how you were with a little life with the tears. That's how I was with the story. I mean, it just gutted me. Like every chance it got, it was like, ah, here's another gut punch for you. I mean, I the was, only, a, I was a wreck. The only thing that hurt, like a little life, was Betty. Oh, which I need to read. Yeah. And now the trauma of a little life is so much worse mm. than Betty. But Betty is this, we've talked about this. It's like this oscillating between just horrible trauma after horrible trauma and just the unbelievable love that her father has for every member of that family and the selflessness of that man. And, the things that he was that were inflicted on him, like mm-hmm. the, the racism and stuff, and the way he just let that shit roll down his back, yeah, and like, and he kept soldiering on, um, and loving, yeah, in spite of everything that could turn him into just an absolutely bitter, bitter, bitter person. That I would be a bitter person. So like that book, yeah, was a different kind of roller coaster because there would be tears of joy followed by tears of just sorrow mm. and. Little life is just trauma after trauma after yeah. trauma. But it, I I really loved all those characters, except for that boyfriend. That boyfriend can go burn he in goes, hell. Yeah, he can go jump off a yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. So um, you hey. you did get the book at some point. I think we were together. You got the book Valentine by Elizabeth uh, Wetmore. Okay, good. That was a, that was a good book. When you Am read I gonna cry? that. Um, if you don't cry, you'll be compelled to, um, when you read it, let me know because I would like to read it again. It's been a few years since I've read it, but I wouldn't mind revisiting that one in particular. Yeah. One day I'll reread A Little Life. I just need to be, 
a little further away There's from it. space where I can just cry again. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll cry again. Like, there's no way I'm not going to cry again. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's again. So, it's so fucked up. She's such a good writer, though. I mean, I will give her that. She is a phenomenal writer. You, you can't read any of her books and deny that. Yeah. <laughs> You'd be lying to yourself. But I need to know what light, at what light on the way back from the garrison train station, these things, these events occurred. <laughs> you are still on I that. am not, I will forever be on that. <laughs> Shit, if I figure out what light she means, I will put up a shrine. Like, I, <laughs> is it right by the Appalachian Market? Like, I, <laughs> damn it, I don't think you understand how small the old town I lived oh in is. Oh my it's like a woods town. There's two lights. <laughs> this is hilarious. You are like, you are not over that one piece. I'm not over that. I'm not over that. Okay. I'm never going to be over that. I need to know where it is. Oh. I'll put a sign. And I'll put oh. a sign and hope that somebody takes a picture of it and puts it on the bookstore. Oh my gosh. I can't with you. I really, really can't. It'll say R.I.P. Oh, man. Have y'all read any of these books that we're kind of like tossing out there? I love these kind of bookish conversations. <laughs> yeah. All right. Recommendation time. I finished Bliss Montage by Ling Ma, which was one of my anticipated reads for last year that I finally got to. And this is her collection of short stories. Miss Ma is the writer of Severance, which I love. And I will now read all of her books because I didn't realize that Severance was an old book. I thought it came out last year. I'm an idiot. Anyway, um, it says, what happens when fantasy tears the screen of every day to wake up, to wake us up? Uh, could that waking be our end? In Bliss Montage, Ling Ma brings us eight wildly different tales of people making their way through the madness and reality of our collective delusions, love and loneliness, connection and possession friendship, motherhood, the idea of home. A woman lives in a house with all of her ex-boyfriends. A toxic friendship grows up around a drug that makes you invisible. A, an ancient ritual might heal you of anything if you bury yourself alive. These and other scenarios investigate the ways that the outlandish and the ordinary are shockingly, deceptively, heartbreakingly alike. I thought that these were each all really stunning stories. I'm very upset that I don't own this book. And I don't have a lot to, I don't know how to describe yeah. all these stories to you, but they were very relatable to like the modern peer of my age person. Mm -hmm. They mm -hmm. deal with a lot of things that I feel like I'm struggling with as a human being. They deal with a lot of things that other people might relate to as somebody who has like a different lived experience than I do. Um, I, I just, I, I really enjoy Ling Ma and I think that these stories are, are really wonderfully executed and show how great she is as a writer. Um, there's some really interesting, like the house of living with all of your ex-boyfriends, that whole story, fantastic. Um, the story that they reference where you bury yourself alive, that story, amazing. You know, you're kind of watching these, this couple that's in this relationship where should they really be in the relationship? I don't really know. Um, does he really understand her? Does she really understand him? Uh, does she just kind of say yes to things? Cause she does kind of just say yes to stuff. Uh, because she knows that in the future, it'll be good for her. And how many of us do things like that? Where yes. Like, I know this is the intellectually, this is the, this is the decision. Yes. I should be making. Um, so I, I thought she it, she just does a really beautiful job of exploring all these really just basic human experience kind of things that go on, especially in the modern world. And I love them. And I, I like need that. to own this book. I like that. All right. Yeah, we like Ling Ma. Severus was fantastic. Definitely something you all should read. We talked about that on the podcast before as a recommendation. I, I am going to recommend a book that I finished uh, last week or so, uh, The House of Eve by Sadiqa Johnson. She is the author of The Yellow Wife, which I know a lot of people read and really, really liked. I need to read that book. I'm so bad. Yeah. I've been um, seeing that for so long. This is coming out from Simon & Schuster on February 7th. Today's February 3rd. This book will be out by the time this episode airs. 
I I did not read The Yellow Wife, but I love The House of Eve. This story follows uh, two characters, Ruby and Eleanor, and it's the 1940s. Uh, Ruby is a teenage girl who is living with her grandmother who um, ends up going blind and she goes back home to her mom's house. Her mom is not a great mom, not a loving mom, not a nurturing mom. Um, And so she's living with this guy, this boyfriend of hers, and he ends up making an advance towards Ruby, this, this young teenage girl. And she leaves and goes to stay with her mother, sister, her aunt. And Ruby is in this very prestigious uh, program that's supposed to like get, you know, um, kids prepped for, for college. And at the end of it, there's this opportunity for one of the students in the program to get a scholarship for college. So this is what Ruby is riding on. Everything that she's got going is just about getting through this program, beating all the other kids with the, getting the highest test scores, writing the best papers so that she can get the scholarship so she can be the first one and her family to go to college. So she doesn't end up poor like them. She ends up meeting this really fantastic kid who happens to be Jewish and her story kind of unfolds from there. On the other hand, still in the 40s, Eleanor is a young college uh, woman. And um, she is studying to um, like work with artifacts and whatnot in the, in the library. And she's just having a grand old time. She's got a great mentor. She's just kind of living the life. And she meets this wonderful man. And they, you know, get into a relationship. And... It turns out that there's some, she has trouble um, carrying a baby. So she's got some fertility mm-hmm. issues going on there. And so that's a whole other journey that Eleanor and her husband are going through. And in the backdrop of that, she, he comes from this very wealthy black family, but Eleanor does not. So there's lots of interactions with the mother that aren't very pleasant. There's interactions with another college mate of hers who grew up with her husband that her mother-in-law really, really loves and who's been trying to get them together for many, 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 many years. So it's a lot of tension in this marriage Annoying. family circle. But the way these two stories come together was just so beautiful. I could not stop reading this. I was so invested in the lives of Ruby and Eleanor. I was just here for these women. I just, I love this so much. I think this was a beautiful story. So I highly recommend getting your hands on it. The house, the house of Eve by Sadiqa Johnson comes out February 7th. It'll be out when this episode airs. Thank you again. for this Advanced copy. Awesome. Woo! And I'm spent. <laughs> too many episodes. I hate when we do four of these. It's too many. You hate it, but then we don't have to worry about recording for another whole month. Because <sighs> we have jobs. <laughs> huh? Am I right? Yes, you're right. <laughs> I know. It's painful in the moment. But then you can just sit back and relax like for weeks. You know what I'm saying? I feel like you're describing a bikini wax. It's the same thing, really, isn't it? It's, <laughs> it's the same thing. Oh, all right, folks. Thanks for tuning in. Share with a friend. Go to our website, tbrlowdown.com, for everything. To join our Discord, Patreon, subscribe to our Substack newsletter. We're on all the socials. Huh? TikTok. We're on all the socials. TikTok, Instagram, <laughs> Twitter, Facebook. Just... We're at TBR Lowdown on everything. Check us out. Tell a friend or 10. And um, thanks for tuning in. That's going to do it for us. We're out of here. Bye. Bye. Well, we've come to the end of the show. Thanks so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode. We kindly ask that you go to Apple Podcast and subscribe to our show and leave a review. That would help us out tremendously. Don't forget to follow TBR Lowdown on Instagram at TBR Lowdown and visit our website for show notes, the link to join our Discord book club, and other information at tbrlowdown.com. You can follow me, Naomi, on Instagram at BookLadyReads and follow Alyssa on Instagram at NerdyNurseReads. Thanks again for listening and for your support. Until next time. 